But fine, if you're in the room, fine, please. There's in your uh, uh, worship guide at the very conclusion of the service, of the songs and so on, you'll see our outline and the verses that we're going to read. If you're watching by live stream or television, again, I appreciate our media team that makes it possible for you to see those things that we'll see in the room. You'll, you're able to see them on the screen there. We are, if you're new, we're walking through the 12 steps. Now, the 12 steps originated, of course, in the world of recovery, particularly in the, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. But they are rooted in Scripture and in the Jesus way of life. Therefore, we're using the 12 steps as a program of Christian discipleship, of uh, spiritual disciplines, if you will. And we've come to step 11. In step 11, we turn to the future. Now, we've spent a lot of time over the last few weeks living in the past. We have listed our past moral failures. We have, we have come clean to ourselves, to God, and to another human being about our, our past missteps. We have, we have made amends to people for our past offenses. But we, we can't get stuck in the past. Life is not best lived in the rearview mirror. A few weeks ago, I said, until we go back, we cannot go forward. But now I'm saying we've gone back, so, so we go forward. We turn our attention to the future. In step 11, we choose to nurture such a, a close and conscious relationship with our Father and Creator. That we, that we understand what His future intentions are for us, and we experience His power to live into that future that God intends for us. Now, somebody watching me or sitting in the room might be wondering, have I forfeited, have I thrown away my chance at a good God-honoring, people-serving future? Have I just thrown away my chance at a good future? Well, to answer that, let's remember the story of one of God's biggest heroes, Moses. Moses committed a capital crime and was forced to flee his life of luxury in Pharaoh's palace. He ended up in Midian, a, a deserted dusty place in the southeast, southeastern Sahara Desert. It was an undesirable place, a place a guy like Moses never dreamed he would be. But he was there by his own doing. His, his own rash and irresponsible behavior decision had landed him in an undesirable place called Midian, a place he never imagined he would be. Can you uh, relate to, to Moses and Midian? Anybody ever, by, by your own doing, maybe your own rash, irresponsible decisions or behavior, ever ended up in a, an undesirable place you never dreamed you'd be, like the principal's office, or maybe the dean of students' office, or maybe, maybe the emergency room, or maybe a courtroom? Maybe the unemployment office, maybe outside your family, 
looking in. Can anybody relate to Moses and his Midian? Maybe your Midian is more of a personal thing. Maybe your Midian is, is that skeleton that keeps rattling around in the closet of your memory. Maybe your Midian is a private, personal regret. Most of us, most of us know about Midian. In fact, uh, this morning we should have given out t-shirts. Just about all of us would have qualified for a t-shirt that read, been to Midian, and in parenthesis, and it was my fault. But on the back of your t-shirt, had you qualified, it would have read, but Midian is not the end of my story. Midian is never the end of the story. Moses found, that was not the end of his story. He found a future beyond Midian. In fact, God was, was using Midian, the, the rigors of Midian, to strengthen and shape uh, uh, Moses for the most important event ever in the life of the history of Israel. God called Moses from Midian to lead his people out of their slavery in Egypt. God redeemed, and that's an important word, redeemed Moses' past. When I think of redeemed, my mind goes back to when I was a kid and I would go with my mom to Quick Check grocery store down in Anniston. And, and when she checked out, that was back in the day before you ever, we ever scanned anything. You, they actually did math back in those days. And when she would check out, they would give her, anybody want to guess what they would give her? Green stamps. Thank you, all of the rest of you who are old like me. Remember green stamps. It, for those of you who are younger, it was kind of like an old school points program. You know what it's like to get points and you save them and you get to do something? Well, so if you, if you, you would get more green stamps if you spent more money. So when uh, mom would go buy her groceries, she, they would hand her, they would print out a certain number of green stamps and she would stuff them into her purse and go home. And as I remember, would put them in a book. Does that sound right? You put them in a book and then they, she, I would go with her every once in a while to a place down on Quintard Avenue that had the coolest name. It was called the Redemption Center. You could go take those little pieces, those, those rather unimpressive pieces of paper that had no value in and of themselves, and you could redeem them. You could turn them in for something real nice, like a, you know, a, a, a toaster or a, an, a, an iron or something. If you, if you saved a lot, you could get a bigger one. Now, I heard this week that the first bus this church ever got, people pulled their green stamps and bought a used bus. Can you imagine that? That's a lot of green stamps, or either a real little bus, that, but they did. They got a, a bus with green stamps. That's just crazy. But it's the word redeem. It's the same meaning. You take something that, a life that some would say has very little value, and the creator of the universe turns it into something wonderful. Redemption is God's act of restorative love that gives us a future beyond our Midians.
Redemption is God's act of restorative love that gives us a future beyond our millions. I read the testimony of a young lady who told about a dysfunctional home, painful home, hurtful home in which she grew up, and then she listed her own personal list of really bad decisions, and then she wrote, God has written me into His redemptive story. Isn't that beautiful? He has written me into His redemptive story. So, so there is a future. We have not thrown it away. For whoever we are and whatever our Midian is, we, we all, we have a, God intended a future for us. So let's look at your, at your outline real quick. I've got to hurry before the basketball game comes on. AA step 11. At the, right, it's on your outline. It'll be on the screen. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Our biblical principle applied to us all is this. Through prayer and meditation, we nurture such a close and conscious relationship with God that we can sense His will and experience His power to fulfill it. Our guiding text from the Bible, Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His purposes. Psalm 51.12, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. If you've been on this journey of the 12 steps like I have, and you want to keep going, then you need God to grant you a willing spirit to sustain you. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Ephesians 5, 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 1 Corinthians 4, 20, the kingdom of God is not a matter of words, but of power. Now, let's look at three key phrases in this step 11 for us all. A knowledge of His will, the power to live it, and a close conscious relationship with God. Let's begin with a knowledge of God's will, His plans and purposes, His intended future for us. Maybe there's somebody listening to me who's early in the stages of recovery from some sort of addiction, compulsive behavior, drugs or alcohol, and so on, and you're wondering, do I have a future and can I know it? The answer is yes. But it's not just people in recovery who wonder about our future. This week, somewhere, a man walked out of a factory. He's worked there for over 20 years. But his job has been outsourced to another country. And so his boss called him in and said, man, I'm so sorry. He gave him a handshake and a, a little severance check and a big thank you. And, and he walked out of the only place he's ever worked. Went to a diner, nursed a cup of coffee, and wondered, is this the worst thing that's ever happened to me, or is this maybe an opportunity for me to, to pursue a new direction? And he's wondering over that cup of coffee, does God have a future for me, and can I know it? There's a lady somewhere near you who last night after she got the kids to bed got a call from her law practice. She's an attorney, but when the kids came along, she left the practice, stayed home, but now the kids are bigger, and she got a call this week from one of the, the partners in the firm and said, hey, we really want you to come back. Would you come back and work for us? And she's wondering, should I go back? Should I stay at home? And she's rubbing her temples wondering, does God have a future for me, and can I know it? There's a college student who left class Friday with a headache. The professor said that human life is just a big cosmic accident, and life really has no meaning, and, and she 
she leaves wondering, is he right? She, when she was in high school in her youth group at church, she asked a lot of deep questions, but all she got was shallow Sunday school answers, and, and they don't help much now. And she wonders, is there a God? And if there is, does he have a, an intended future for me? And can I, can I know it? We can know it. Now, I, I believe whenever a, a finite human like us attempts to discern the mind of the Almighty. There's always going to be an element of mystery and uncertainty, but I believe we can know enough to follow God's intended purpose for us. I believe we can know what we need to know, when we need to know it. I, I don't think there's ever going to be handwriting from the hand of God in the sky for you, but I believe that you can know a deep sense of oughtness, of rightness. Does God have a, an intended future for me, and can I know it? Yes. Second question, how do, I, how do I enjoy the power? How do I find the power to, to follow that future? I want to say that how grateful I am that so many people in the, the recovery family around here have welcomed me, treated me like family over the last several weeks. I feel like I have a whole new circle of friends. They have welcomed me, and... I'm so grateful for my new, my new circle, people I admire deeply. I heard a young man say not long ago, I'm scared. He's fairly new in recovery. His active addiction cost him a great deal. But he said, I'm scared. I'm scared I'll lose it all. He's afraid he'll lose it all again, that which has been restored to him. Because recovery is such a a tentative, such a fragile, recovery is such a fragile thing. And I understand his fear because we all need more than good intentions. We need power. And here's the good news, it is available. Look on your, on your outline. In Luke 1, the angel visited Mary and said she's going to have a baby, the very Son of God. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. God would not ask Mary to do that which he would not empower her to do. In Luke 9, it says, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them away. Jesus would not send them out to do that which he did not empower them to do. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in the whole earth. Jesus would not commission them to do that which he did not em, would not empower them to do. Colossians 1.11 speaks of being strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. God would not call you to be transformed and then not empower you to be transformed. Oh, but Travis, I don't feel very powerful. Well, I've got good news. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 assures us that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. So how do we discern God's plans and purposes for us? And how do we find the power to live that out? Well, step 11 tells us it's pretty simple. Prayer and meditation. We, we nurture this close and conscious relationship with God. Henry Blackaby wrote Experiencing God. Some of you all are doing it now. He says the key to hearing the voice of God is a, an intimate relationship. That's what we're talking about, a close and conscious relationship built on prayer and meditation. Now, on your outline, you'll see uh, a, a verse about 
prayer. It says God has turned his ear to us. Isn't that a cool thing that, that the creator of the universe would, would do this, cup his ear, hand to his ear, and want to know what you, your heart is crying? He is leaning over the very balcony of heaven, the creator of the universe, for a conversation with you. And meditation, meditation gets a bad rap in some Christian circles. It's not emptying our mind. It's not just humming. And it's, it's focusing. Look at what the Psalms say about meditation. I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. I will meditate on your principles and fix my eyes on your ways. This is fairly simple. If you want a close, conscious relationship with God, an intimate relationship with your Creator, then it ain't His fault that you don't have one. It's about prayer and meditation. Some of you have heard me tell the story of my parents, and I'm not going to tell it again. It's my favorite story, and I'm tempted to tell the whole thing, but I just want to tell you part of it. If you've heard me tell the story, you've heard about my dad who didn't grow up in church, was not a follower of Jesus as a young man, made some really bad decisions. Some really bad decisions, costly decisions. He spent the rest of his life with the consequences of those rash, irresponsible decisions as a young man. But in June of 1951, he was at a tent revival in Anniston, Alabama, and experienced this beautiful, powerful transformation. It was eight years before I was born. Some of you have heard me talk about what a terrific dad my father was to me. What a faithful church member he was. Now, some, some of his decisions earlier had been so costly, they're, they're, the church didn't, wouldn't let him serve in some positions because of, well, because of his divorce and so on. And, but he served where he could. And my dad was a faithful consistent follower of Jesus. When I've talked about consistency, I've often talked about my dad. So where did he get the power? A guy like that that didn't have a church background or Christian background, where did he get the power to live out God's intended future for him? It's right here. Carrie found this about two weeks ago, going through some old things in the house. I had not seen this in 20, 30 years. It's my father's Bible. He had worn it out, nearly worn it out. It had been rebound at least twice. Got his notes in here. I remember right where it sat, right next to it. We had a little bitty house. There were no, no, no privacy. He sat right there, it always sat right there by his chair. And I've come by a number of times when, when he'd be reading this. My father had a sixth grade education, but he became a student of the Bible. My dad became a man of prayer. He, he knew, he knew God had saved his life. He knew God had saved his marriage. God had redeemed him from his Midian. And out of gratitude, my dad nurtured a close and conscious relationship with his father and creator and redeemer. And you can too. However big or bad your Midian, Redemption is God's restorative act of love, or His act of restorative love, maybe I should say. His act of restorative love that gives us a future beyond our, our Midians. You can know God's intended future for you. You can have the power to live that out. If you'll nurture a close and conscious relationship with your Creator, 
your Father and your Redeemer. And we'll get you a t-shirt that says, Midian is not the end of my story.